Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Here's kind of where we're at this morning. This is Palm Sunday. I guess everybody knows that. Next week is Easter. we got a big day today ahead of us. Um, church has been very busy. It seems like there's so many things going on. And we're right on the verge of having a revival. And we've been preaching for several weeks, kind of preparing for revival. And it just kind of felt like this, this morning that we needed to... If you will, step back and just take a look at what's going on. Um, because I think sometimes we can get so involved that we, don't, that we miss what we're actually doing. I don't know if that makes sense. So the old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. Uh, so, so I hope that this will, hope this will make sense when we get into it. So let's stand and read God's Word. Joshua chapter 7. <clears throat> we're going to start reading verse number 6. <clears throat> And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. And he and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorite to destroy us? Would to God we had been content to dwell on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off their, our name from under the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? This is the verse. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, that they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for today. How I thank you for uh, Taylor being with us. Lord, what a blessing that she has been. I thank you for all of our brothers and sisters that are here today. The beautiful sunshine we have outside Lord, all that lay ahead of us this day, I thank you for it ahead of time. Lord, I pray that this message could, could allow us to see, God, what you are doing. Lord, I beg you, get me out of the way. Allow your Holy Spirit to speak. Let me not hinder, I pray in Jesus' name. And amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so I'll try to make this as simple as I can. I, I probably should have preached a message on Palm Sunday, but um, I really felt the Lord was leading me a different way. But 
just to kind of tie this in with Palm Sunday a little bit, I hope everybody here understands what Palm Sunday was, but Jesus literally comes riding in, uh, if you will, as the Messiah into Jerusalem. And all of the people were, if you will, praising him, but all of those people missed him. Let's think about that. They were praising Jesus, but they missed Jesus. Jesus goes up and, and he weeps over Jerusalem because the Messiah had come and they missed it. So if you get the picture, you can see Jesus. You can have Jesus paraded in front of you. You can even say you're worshiping Jesus and you can still miss Jesus. Right? And, and so that's kind of the, the, what we want to understand this morning can happen to all of us. Now, <clears throat> How many churches in America today, this morning, are filled all across our nation and they are parading Jesus right down in front of them and yet all the people sitting in the pews are going to miss Jesus, right? And so I want us to understand that. I want us to understand what's going on. Uh, back in the 90s, um, I, by the way, I believe this is very unbiblical. I believe this is very wrong. Uh, but nonetheless, um, we live in America. The seeker-friendly movement came out, and basically what they said is, we're going to find out what people want, and we're going to give it to them. So there became a consumer um mindset when it comes to church you know if you go to a, if you have your favorite restaurant you go to the restaurant that meets your needs if you have a favorite store you go to the store that meets your needs if you have a favorite place you order from it you go to a place that you like it's called consumer mindset right you the getting giving the consumer what they want well church took on that same mindset and, and to give the key people what they want they will come and so today that has that is still kind of the mindset a lot of people have have the mindset of what will the church give me? And we've talked about this many, many times. So I want to ask the Sand Hill Church, what are we getting out of this? What are we getting out of this? Because our church is different. The title of the message is Dividends. If you are, I'm assuming everyone, because of 401ks and whatnot, I'm assuming most all of you here, are, if you're at least a little older, are familiar with, with, with investing. So if you go to, if you go to a investment, uh, uh, a CPA, someone who is going to, a professional who is going to help you, and they say, if you will put your money here, it will be very, very safe. It, it, you will have, there's no risk of losing your money. And we will guarantee you 4% interest on your money. And a lot of older people think, that's a good deal. I won't lose my money. You know what they don't understand? If inflation is 5%, you lost everything you had. <laughs> you didn't gain money. You lost money. Remember the old, uh, just to make fun, just remember, but remember the old, um, I'm going to take the mason jar out in the backyard and bury $10,000, that's where it's safe, <laughs> put it under my mattress. But the thing about it is, if you put 10000 let me ask you guys this. If you put $10,000 under your mattress 20 years ago and you pull it out there and you say, I still got my $10,000, how much is that $10,000 worth? About 3000 of what it was when you put it there, right? 
So you didn't gain anything. So you go to another investment and they say, if you'll put your money here, there's a chance you could lose it. But you could also get 18% interest. Now what are we going to do? Right? Safe or maybe a great gain. And I, and I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but that's kind of what I want to talk to you about church. There are all kinds of churches out there, and, and just as in the consumer mindset, uh, there are churches that promise a lot of things, but what's the return? What's the dividends that you get? So let's just look at a few churches real quickly. We'll get, we'll get through uh, down to us in here in a second. We have rigid churches. There are churches you can go to. They are very rigid, strict rules, strict standards. You go here, you will do this, 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 this. And kind of like Taylor was saying, if you don't do it, we will shame you because you did not do everything we say you have to do. So that is what they're asking you to invest. But what are they giving you in return? Because a lot of times there are a lot of outward rules and they're not doing anything for the inside, right? See, if we get the inside right, the outside will start cleaning itself up. But if we make the outside look good, we can become Pharisees. And we don't have time to go, I've, I've preached most of this before, but we have seen the, the, uh, the dividends that those, those investments make. They ask you to come and, and, and buy into all of their uh, rules and regulations and things that they do. And often that doesn't bring peace. That doesn't bring love and joy. It doesn't bring a closeness with God. What it really brings is a self-righteousness and a very miserable Christians. So I don't know if I'm making any sense this morning. I, I, it looks like you guys are trying to follow me and you're having a little struggle. There are people who are Christians who are in churches who are not living a very happy life. Can you guys give me that? And... So what's the dividends? What, what's the payment? What, what's, the, what's, the, what's the return on your investment? You come here, you abide by all these rules. If you abide by all these rules, we will approve you, but you will be miserable. Have a nice day. Right? So that's the return on your investment. So we say, well, I don't want no part of that. I'm going to find a liberal church. And you go to a liberal church and they say, hey, come in here. You can go to heaven and live any way you want to. And you can have all the sin in your life. We're not going to condemn you. We're not going to say anything bad. We're going to let you live any way you want to. And, and we will welcome you and you can go to heaven and you can live any way you want to. That sounds like a good deal. I mean, I get to do what I want to do, and I still get to go to heaven. That sounds like a really good deal. No rules, no regulations, no standards, nothing I have to do. I just do anything I want to do, and I get to go to heaven. How many of you know, I don't know how much you guys really understand about what's out there in the Christian world, but there are multitudes today who are in liberal churches. It's God's business whether they're saved or whether they're not. But do those people have joy? Do those people have God? Do those people have what we're supposed to have as Christians? In other words, what I'm saying, maybe you stumble into a liberal church, maybe you actually give your heart to the Lord, maybe you live sinful the rest of your life, uh, but you never have a good life. Your life is miserable, and I get to live with my girlfriend, and I go to church, and my pastor says, I'm still going to heaven. Hallelujah. But you're miserable because you're not doing it God's way. 
Am I making any sense? It, 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 it doesn't work. So, so the rigid, strict church is not giving us what we're looking for. And the liberal church who says anything goes is not giving us what we're looking for. And so there's one more church I, I have to throw in here. We could find us an emotional church. We're not going to worry about the Bible. You know, we'll reference it, but we're not going to worry about studying it. Studying the Bible is not for real Christians. We're, it's all going to be about how you feel when you come to church. So you come to church, and man, if we have a good service, you are on cloud nine. If service ain't so good, it's a rough week. I don't know if I can get through it or not. And we see that, again, the dividends that are paid, the, the, the interest that's paid on your investment. You go, you go to those churches, you're looking for a good time, you've had a rough week, I just want to go in there and get the socks blessed off of me and get me through the next week. But here's what I've learned those Christians are not very stable. They're not very strong. There, there's no Bible in them. It's just all, I really enjoyed church service. Now, I'm not opposed to enjoying church service. I kind of like to enjoy church service. Amen? I, I was in some good church service yesterday. I, I, I enjoy a good worship service when God comes by. They don't, get, don't misunderstand me. But when we leave the Word of God out of it, what it produces is not joy and love and peace and a good life. It is people that just fall apart, okay? And then we have biblical churches. And I believe they produce a very different fruit. So at Sand Hill, Josh has said this before in his Sunday school, but you guys come out here I love this church. I, I really do. I, I love you people. I am living a fantasy. I am living what I have always dreamed of all my life, and pastoring a congregation of people who want to know what the Bible says and want to live by it. Can I tell you, I wouldn't trade that for, I wouldn't trade that for any church on the planet. It, it's, it's the greatest joy to come out of people want to know what the Bible says and want to live it. But here, you come to Sand Hill, what is wrong with you people? You come to Sand Hill, almost every Sunday you come here, we tell you how bad you are. Almost every Sunday we tell you how bad you are. And we are out to destroy your flesh. And we're beating up on your flesh almost every time you come through the door. And we're telling you something about your flesh has got to go today. And you guys keep coming back. What is wrong with you guys? We're, we're, we're destroying your flesh. We're constantly, every time you come through the door, we're challenging you. This is what the Bible says. This is what God wants you to do. And we're not real big on excuses. So you had a bad week. You totally didn't do what God said. It's okay. No, it's not okay. <laughs> God's word doesn't change because you had a bad week. Situation falls apart. God doesn't say, okay, we're not going to worry about it now. You just sin against me and we'll get back later. Okay, it's not how it works. So we're asking a pretty big investment from you guys. If you follow my illustration, what I'm trying to say is we're asking you guys to come out here every week. We, we started uh, in... Uh, 2021 church on purpose we decided on purpose every time we come together sunday morning sunday night sunday school wednesday night uh any service anything everything we do we decided it's going to be on purpose to give you the word of god 
I asked the Sand Hill Church, has that made a difference? Are we different than we were before we did that? It's, it's just totally transformed trans, uh, us. This year is all things. So now we decided whether we're going to the streets of Castilla, whether we're going to the NOIC, whether we're packing shoeboxes, whether we're having a, a sunrise service, whatever we're doing, all things are going to be about Jesus. Not about you. Here's the funny thing. What is wrong with you guys? We come out here and we tell you, you guys don't matter. And you guys keep coming back. What I'm trying to say is, this is not really consumerism here. We're, we're, we're beating up on you. We're throwing out your flesh. And we're telling you, you guys don't matter. It's all about Jesus. But you guys keep coming back. So if someone is going to ask that much investment, there ought to be a return on your investment. So if I'm going to ask you to live faithfully of what the Bible says always, every minute of every day, if I'm going to ask you to deny your flesh and, do it to, and, and not do what the flesh wants, if I'm going to say there's really not a good reason to disobey God, you guys ought to be getting something out of that investment. Okay? And, I mean, I could go around right now and ask every one of you, why do you keep coming back? But I believe there's a reason. Here's what got me started on this message. Let me say this. This makes me want to just shout and shout hallelujah. But here's what made me started, started thinking about this message. I'm trying to really draw back and show you where we're at. Because I, I think sometimes we come here and we're so intense. I want to kind of draw back and take a big wide angle view of where we're at. Some of you that have been here a long time have had to listen to me preach a lot of horrible messages and, and make a lot of bad mistakes and do a lot of things wrong and, and yon and on and on. But I can remember a time, a long time ago, but I can remember a time as a pastor of this church when there were a lot of people who didn't want to come to church. I can remember, some of you have been here a long time, can remember, I would get up and over and over and over and over. I would beat them up. You know, uh, Hebrews said, forsake not to assemble yourselves together. You better be not, and, and just preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. They didn't want to come to church. They weren't going to come to church. I could tell them what the Bible said, and that wasn't going to change a thing, and I'd preach it over and over. So we'll make some strict rules in our bylaws. You have to come to church. That didn't change anything either. And we do all these things, and it's like, you're beating them up, you're doing everything, and they don't want to come to church. And I thought about Steve and Charlene started coming to church. You know, I never, ever one time said, you guys need to be here for Sunday school. And you need to be here for Sunday morning. And you need to come back Sunday night. And you need to be here Wednesday night. And men's ministry, you better be at that. And women's ministry, you better be at that. I never had that conversation. I never did. But that's what they're doing. And then Kevin shows up. And I never told Kevin, you love Jesus, you better be here every service. I, I, I haven't preached that in a long time. I had actually forgot that I hadn't preached it in a long time. And Kevin comes and he gets saved. He starts coming Sunday morning. Then he starts coming Sunday night. Then he slips in on Sunday school morning. And then he starts coming Wednesday night, and then he's here for men's ministry. I didn't say a word to him. 
And then Deb and Amy come. Same thing. No, no guilting you into it. No, you have to be here. No, you sorry dog for not being here. I never said a word to them. Showed up on Sunday night. Showed up on Wednesday night. Think they're planning on coming to dock? What I'm trying to say is, we got this thing all backwards. We cannot force people to do right. But if God gets inside of you, you want to do what's right. And that's the whole difference. See, strict rules isn't going to get any of you guys to do this. Here's what I learned. If I tell Kevin you'll be here or else, he probably ain't coming. Right? But if I say, Holy Spirit, would you give him a desire to come? He's here every service. Am I making sense to anybody? This is the difference between church and church. This is the difference between parading Jesus down here and making a big spectacle of him, and he means nothing in our lives, and actually having our lives all be about Jesus. There's a big difference. And it seems to me, I... I I, I, I have a really, I, I was talking to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I want to brag so much about our people. I was, I was in Columbus yesterday in, in Belleville last night, just around all kinds of other churches and pastors yesterday. I have such a hard time not just bragging, and we got the best church on the planet. But there was one old brother, and, and, and I, I am, I'm bragging, so I am bragging, but, but there's, there's a brother there, and they, and they had the other missionary there, and he says, well, you need to come to our church. And he says, well, I'm booked up on Sunday mornings, but I can come on Sunday night. And the brother said, well, you'd be a lot better off to come Sunday morning. There's nobody there Sunday night. And then he come to me and he said, and I talked to him, and I've already got him booked to come to here. And he said, I, can I come Sunday night? And I said, brother, the same people come on Sunday night as come on Sunday morning. It ain't going to make no difference at our church. Right? Are you guys following me? You guys are coming here for a reason. Is this giving you a better life? Is this changing your life? What's the, what's the dividends? What's the, what's the interest rate you're receiving? If you want to abide by a bunch of rules, be miserable, and not have a good life, you're in the wrong church. But if you want something that will get rid of yourself, and you can live a brand new life, the dividends, can I say this? They're out of this world. They're out of this world. They're, they're just unbelievable. And... See, here's what I know. I hear some bragging about our singing. I think we have some of the best singing there is any place. I think we have some phenomenal singing. I really don't think we have that great preaching around here. But here's what I know. I really don't think you guys are coming for the singing or the preaching. You know, I think you're coming for Jesus. For Jesus. If you're coming here for the preacher, well, the preacher's not here. See, that's not the right reason to come. What if the singers are sick and they don't sing this morning? I wasted a trip to church. I, I, why did I even go? No, but if you're coming for Jesus, can I, how many know if the preacher's not here and the singers are sick, how many of you know Jesus is going to be here? He's a good reason to come to church. And if you're coming for Jesus, you don't ever get disappointed. You, those, those days of, I remember those days so very well. We come to church, boy, we had a great service. It was worth going to church. Oh, we had a terrible service. It wasn't worth going. But can I tell you, if you're coming for Jesus, it's worth coming every time you come. Because Jesus makes things different. And, and I, I guess I just want you guys to understand, I don't know if I'm going to get my, through my outline, but I just really want you guys to understand, draw back and look. We get beat up a lot around here. We have a lot of things, to, but it is making us different. Josh, Josh sung the song. I wanted Renee to get it for me so I could read it up here, but I didn't do that. But he sung the song, Changed. The pain's no longer there. The guilt is gone. All my burdens rolled away. I've been changed.
This is what Josh said. I'm thankful God changed me. Is changing me and has changed me. Because I don't like the old me. And can I say I'm glad he's getting beat up and getting thrown out of here? Because he's no good. He's no good. Listen, guys, I've been saved for 45 years. I'm only 35, and I've been saved 45 years. But, but, but praise God, I, I've been saved 45 years. And it has taken God a long time to, to, to just get rid of Gary. But I don't want him to come back. I, I don't want him running things anymore. I don't want him to be in control. I want Jesus to run my life. And it is the best life we can ever live. Now, totally destroyed the, the outline. I don't know if I can even come back to it and even make any sense whatsoever of it, but uh, I, I, I want you to understand what I'm saying. So, so real quickly, I'm not going to take a lot of time, just, just real quickly. Uh, I want to, I want to um, present these as um, uh, um, benefits we get and not commands we keep. And, and in the text that we're going to look at, and this isn't a very expository message like I typically preach, but, but I'm just wanting to kind of uh, open our eyes to where we're at. In the, in the passage, um, I, I would like to look at uh, Joshua 1.7 now, Josh. <clears throat> but in, in the passage, these are typically co- uh, looked at as um, commands. And this is a very, very popular verse, and we've heard it preached on many, many times. But I would like to look at this as benefits. In other words, return on your investment. Around here, point number one, I would like to present Bible doctrine as a benefit. Not as a command, but as a benefit. Is that a different way of looking at it? We think we need Bible doctrine because it's, it's a command. What about if we look at it that Bible doctrine is a gift? How about if we look at it that way? That, that kind of turns it around, right? So Joshua says, very familiar scripture, uh, in, in Joshua 1, 7, he says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from uh, it to the right hand or to the left hand, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. So, so God told Joshua... You're now leading the people. You better have the Word of God in your heart and don't deviate to, one, to the right or to the left. Just stay right in the Word of God. Here's my question, guys. How are you going to stay in the Word of God if you don't know what the Word of God is? How are you going to do that? I can get up here and preach all day long, stay in the Word of God. But if you don't know what the Word of God is, you can't stay in the Word of God. So here's, here's I know this is, this is, this is really going to be profound, if we need to know the Word of God, when we come here, we have to learn the Word of God. And I feel kind of stupid saying that, except for some people have not, still not figured that out. When you come to church, every time you come to church, we're to learn what the Bible says. And after enough time, this is what you have. You have people who know what the Bible says. And you can be like Joshua and you can meditate on it and you can dwell in it and you can live by it and you can not turn from the left or the right. If you don't have that, uh, you are operating under your own feelings and uh, emotions to control your life. Ignorance of the Bible cripples you. 
There are plenty of examples of Christians who do not know the Bible and they wreck their lives. I don't have time to preach all this. Let me just say real quick. If you've been around church any time whatsoever, you have seen that Christian who says, I love Jesus with all my heart, shouts the house down, doesn't know the Bible, doesn't want anything to do with the Bible. And when life gets tough, they don't want to go to church anymore. When life gets tough, they fall apart. When life gets tough, they go get drunk. When life gets tough, they have nothing to support them and they fall apart. And if you was to tell them, if you need to come to a good Bible study and learn what to buy, I'm not interested in a Bible study. I want my life to be good. Well, how are you going to get your life good? You need the Word of God. And we've gotten that here, and it is changing our lives. And if you take that out of the equation, our lives are way, way different. So, so I, 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 hope, I hope that that makes sense for you. This is really important. I need you to understand this. Your best life isn't possible without knowing the Bible. I watched a video. Um, I, I, I want to share this because I think it's worth sharing. A perfect illustration of what I just said. We think of, of what God says as restrictive. It restricts us from doing what we want to do, right? I want to do this and this, and God won't let me. You know, we had to go a month not talking bad about other people. You know, I mean, I want to talk bad about other people. Right? And in the last couple of Sundays, we've been learning things about like loving your enemies and people who curse you, you're supposed to bless them, and all those stupid things in the Bible, right? That we got to do, right? And, and so all, all these things. And we think those rules deprive us of what's fun. I was watching a video on, uh, um, online of um, Kirk Cameron, and this is a story that he told. And I thought this was such an awesome, awesome blessing. He was talking about, he, we all know when he was a kid, he was extremely famous and just all the money in the world, all the fame, everywhere he went, he was recognized. Everybody just thought he was, he was it. And he found his wife and he married her. And he had other guys that he grew up with and they said, you mean to tell me you could have had any girl you wanted as many times as you wanted, all the variety that you wanted, and you wasted all that on one woman? And this is what he said. I've had the same one woman for 30 years, and everything I could have had before doesn't compare to what I have. See, we think God's keeping us from what's fun. No, God's trying to give us what is best. And when you're 20 years old, that sounds awesome. But when you get to be 50, you think, I have ruined my life. There's nothing left in my life. It's totally ruined, right? So God's way is the best way, but you're not going to know God's way if you don't have the Bible. <clears throat> so that's what we're trying to do is, is establish the Bible. Big faith. <clears throat> but God also told Joshua to have courage, I turned that around and called it big faith. I could have this quote wrong. I'm not sure. I, th I think this is right, but I'm not sure. But the great theologian, John Wayne, <laughs> said that courage is not the lack of fear, but courage is doing what's right even when you're afraid. Now think about that. God told Joshua, have courage. That didn't mean Joshua was going to go out and face those giants and, and, and there'd be no fear there. That means, Joshua, when you get afraid, you do what is right and you trust me. And he did. And it worked. And in this church, 
We're going to face things that make us afraid. Amen? Come on, guys. We're going to face things that make us afraid. A, a bad diagnosis, a, a death, a, um, you know, all the things that life throws at us, a, a pink slip, all the things that life... We're going to face things that make us afraid. Listen, it's okay to be afraid. We, we talked a little bit at the men's ministry Friday night. It's okay sometimes to say, I'm, I'm afraid. But, but Jacob stood up and said, it's never okay to be overwhelmed and forget God. I say, amen. Sometimes we get a little afraid, but we do the right thing and we keep our eyes on Jesus. We need big faith. And big faith will keep us stable. It, it, will, it will help us through hard times. And, and it will give us something we cannot have uh, if we don't have that faith. First <clears throat> Corinthians five, First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans eight thirty seven. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Again, we've seen a multitude of Christians who say they love Jesus, who go to the wrong kind of churches, who when life gets tough, they just quit. I don't want that kind of people in this church. Let me, let me not make that confused. I don't want to be producing that type of a person. If you're that kind of person, we want you to stick around long enough to not be that kind of person. We want you to grow to where if life gets tough, you keep on going. If, if life falls apart, you, you stay in church and you stay faithful. You'll, we'll get through it. We talked about there's a lot of things happen to this church, but we're still here and we're still going. It's because there's something different when Jesus is running church. And listen, guys, what we're doing is not that unusual. It is what the New Testament commands a church to be. And it is making us what we are. The last one is my favorite. The last one is my favorite. Back up. How many of you are really, really proud of me for starting all three of those with a B? Come on, give me that. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm not Josh. That is hard for me. I thought I got the first two. I thought, what in the world could I start with a B? But I got backup, all right? So let's go back to Joshua. Chapter 7. I, this one, I love this story. I've thought about it a thousand times as a being the pastor. If you know the story of Joshua, God has, Moses has died, Joshua has been installed. He is commanded to literally take the people where they've been promised for 40 years into the land of promise and conquer all those enemies. He sends people over. They say it's a great land, but there's all kinds of giants there. They got walled cities. There's no way we can win. It's impossible. God tells Joshua, be courageous, have faith, uh, um, don't, don't deviate from the word of God, go forward and I'll be with you. Joshua goes to Jericho, marches around it, walls fall down, take over the city. He says, wow, super cool, super cool, right? And then he gets to this other little town and he just got through wiping out Jericho and he thinks, this is going to be a piece of cake. And he sends the people down there and Israel gets run out by this little tidy town. And Joshua falls down on his face and he acts like a pastor and he starts feeling sorry for himself. And he said, God, what are you doing here? And we just lost. That's embarrassing. And what is everybody going to say about us? And what about your name? 
And, and, and we should have just stayed over there and not even tried to live a victorious life. I love, I love, I love, I love what God said. Can I, can I paraphrase? Boy, get up and act like a man. Get up and quit feeling sorry for yourself. Can I tell you, most every pastor needs that. When, we, when, we, when, when things, when there's problems in the church, we fall down like, oh, why am I doing this? There's no hope. In, there's no, and sometimes God has just come by, or your wife, either one, uh, has come by and say, quit acting like that. Stand up, be a man. And, and God just told Joshua, get up, boy. Here's the problem. Fix it and keep on going. Here's what I want you guys to get. This, may, this is the best part of the whole message. It's wonderful to have the Word of God that controls our life. It, it's, it's wonderful uh, that, that uh, um, um, whatever second point was, <laughs> that's wonderful too, even though I can't remember it. Faith, it's wonderful to have faith that, it, that is courage. But can I tell you the best part about all of this? I really want you guys to get this. If you don't get anything else, I really want you to get this. To live in such a way that there's always backup. Here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean by that. I believe if you are faithfully coming to Sand Hill Church, I believe if you are taking in what we are doing, I believe if you are trying to live out what, what, is, what is being uh, taught here, and again, all we're doing is doing what the New Testament says. We're not doing anything special, Sand Hill. It's just we're just doing what the New Testament says. If you are doing that, I, I want to say this. Uh, there's that verse over, in, uh, I think it's in Peter, and it says, if you do these things, you shall never fall. I want to say this. I want to say this kind of, um, kind of, uh, what is it, presumptuous? If you'll come to Sand Hill, and you're here every time we're here, and you'll take in what we say, and you'll live that way, God's not going to let you fall down. Now, I didn't say you wouldn't have a pity party. <laughs> I didn't say you wouldn't have a pity party. I didn't say you wouldn't have a bad day. I didn't say you wouldn't kick the dog. But God won't let you alone. Is there anybody here besides me? The brother Charles just got down and started feeling sorry for themselves, and God come along and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Seriously, get back up. What is wrong with you? Right? Now, I want to draw this picture to you. I'm really trying to show you guys something. If you are not getting Bible doctrine and you are not having your faith grow and you're not uh, being what God wants you to be and you fall down, there's nobody there. See, here's a picture I want to show you guys. And, and I don't know if this is being clear to you guys or not. Have, have you guys seen people since you've been going to church, I'm not even talking only Sand Hill, but have you guys seen, since you've been going to church, have you guys seen Christians who had hit some rough water and they just quit and never came back? Have you seen two or three? Have you seen 20 or 30? Have you seen 100 or 200 or 300? Or maybe a few thousand? See, I've, I, I've just seen a multitude of people who have come to church not been interested in the Bible, not been interested in growing in their faith, not being interested in denying the flesh. Life got tough. Here's, here's the holy thing. I'm so burdened, I don't want to take it to the church. Stupid, 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 stupid. Right? That's the dumbest thing you can ever say. I'm burdened, I don't want to go to church. What is wrong with you? Listen, if your life falls apart, this is where you belong. This is where you need to be. 
It's staying home because you have a problem is like saying, I'm too sick to go to the hospital. When I get better, I'll go to the doctor. Right? That's stupid. Listen, when life gets tough, this is where you want to be. And, and, and I, I didn't know I was going to say this, but I'm just, just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. When you come here having a pity party, we're going to rain on your parade. We're going to smile and tell you God's good. We're going to love on you and tell you, come on, God's going to get you through this. When you're having a pity party, that is not what you want to hear. You want someone to tell you how bad it is and how terrible life is and how you don't have a reason for living and you might as well just give up. We're going to tell you, hey, get up. God's going to take care of you. Now, I'm trying to show you what we have here. God is doing a great work in our church. And listen, everybody knows this. Let me say this. We got a whole bunch of messed up people here. Start with the pastor. Oh, a bunch of messed up people. Renee knows I've had a couple of weeks that I am very, very ashamed of. I, I got my, my, am I allowed to say this in the pulpit? I got my tail whooped yesterday really, really bad. I'm going down whatever road I was going down all by myself yesterday. And guy climbed up in my car and just wore me out all the way there. Because he loves me. And this way he said, Boy, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Look what I have given you, and look how you're acting. And I felt really ashamed, but I also felt like I could take on devil with a squirt gun. I mean, I, I was ready to go. See, I believe that all you messed up people that are here. If you're, if you're, if this is your church, I don't believe a devil can bring you down. Am I too bold? Am I too bold? Now he's going to try really hard. <laughs> he's going to try really hard. He's going to do everything he can to knock you down. But if you're plugged in of what God is doing, God will come along and say, Satan, get off my boy. Get up. Amen? Amen? Get up! You feel that? This is what I felt yesterday in the car. Yeah, he, he spanked me a little bit. Man, he loved on me. I thought, Lord, I don't deserve you to love on me. Look how I've been acting. He gave me a little spanking. Then he just loved on me. Does anybody want to live that way? Well, that's how God treats you. Now, I just want to say this. Staying down is not an option. We're going, today we're going to have a busy day ahead of us. As soon as we uh, have this over with, we're going to enter into mayhem and chaos. Amen? We're getting into camp season. We've got a lot of things going on around here. Let me just say this to everybody here. Everybody here. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. If you get so tied up in packing stuff in the truck that you get mad at somebody else here, quit coming to church and pray before you go any farther. I'm being serious. We got to keep our eye on Jesus. I don't care what we do on the streets of Castilla. I don't care what we do at NOIC. If we're not thinking about Jesus, we've done got off track. We gotta keep our eyes on Jesus all the time. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. 
If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.